Would you guys join me in prayer just for a moment? Father, I just thank you that as we take time to look at your word that you're planning on meeting us this evening. Would you allow your spirit to come and let wisdom and revelation touch us? Not only to know the hope of our calling in you, but to walk with you with an excellent spirit. Would you release your power right now so that we can be rooted and grounded in love? Uh, Mighty one, we just bless what you've done for us. We ask that as all of us look at your word, our inheritance would be revealed to us and we could actually walk in fullness. I thank you for this time, Lord. Bring your peace and your power. You're our teacher and we honor you here in the midst of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Guys, have your Bibles. Would you please open them or look at them on your phone and turn to Proverbs 15, verse 13. Well, this evening I'm going to actually deal with it. I've actually been on an interesting journey in my own relationship with the Lord in the sense that about a month and a half ago, I'm in a worship service and the Lord starts this, this conversation with me about what I'm going to be talking about as I'm traveling which isn't something odd, but I thought it was interesting. He just said that he wanted me to focus on the hurts of life and how to actually deal with them. And if you know anything about me, I'm usually trying to talk about something positive or destiny. And it's not like I've never dealt with this. When I first came into the kingdom, I actually thought I was going to go into the counseling ministry because I so loved how the Spirit of the Lord could actually transform people. So I'm revisiting something, but it might be new to you. What we're going to deal with this evening is how God actually heals you past the spirit of rejection. So let's first define what we're dealing with. Rejection can be defined in this. It means a sense of being unwanted. Uh, Because of that, here's what's going on in the hearts of most of us. Because we've been made in God's image and God is a father, family is a normal concept for God. You have been wired to actually be nurtured, cared for, and embraced, and brought in. That's who you are in the image of God, because that's how God responds to people. He does the same thing. Because this is the way God has made you, when you go through the power of rejection, what happens is something happens inside your soul where the opposite takes place. And all of a sudden, instead of feeling like you're part of something, you feel like you're isolated. You could actually be in a room and yet feel like everyone doesn't accept you. And the power of rejection is so strong that it actually has an effect on people their whole entire life. And unless they recognize it, it will affect not only their walk with the Lord, but their relationships with people. And there will always be a sense of why can I not connect? And a lot of it has to do with the power of rejection. So when we talk about rejection, let me connect two other concepts that are brought up in Scripture. The first one is betrayal. And the second one is shame. These all three are actually connected. And so we have rejection, betrayal, and shame. They kind of go, sad to say, hand in hand with each other. And so because we've been created to connect, when people betray us, the, the effect of rejection hits us. When we do things that we know violates the concept of family and connection, we feel shame and then we reject. And so these seem to be Uh, dual things or or things that we actually need to pay attention to. Now, 
let's talk about your heart the way the scripture actually talks about it. What does God say about your heart? Well, here we have it in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13. Look at it with me just for a moment. Now, this is, please understand, this isn't just a statement. This is what God wants for you. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but a heartache crushes or crushes the spirit. So, if you're not joyful and happy, the Bible is saying one of the causes could actually be the spirit of rejection. Your spirit is crushed. And we'll describe what a crushed spirit looks like here in a moment. The next one is this. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14, if you guys will turn there with me also, it says this. A man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. Now this is important, these terms that are being used now. The first one that we have is actually a heartache crushes the spirit, and a crushed spirit who can bear. And so now it's pointing to the fact that your spirit can go through a thing called a crushing experience. Now, this is important. God has created you and I to be nurtured. That's where our soul, our emotions, and our life in God flourishes is when we're being nurtured. When that is not taking place, an effect called a crushing in our spirit happens. And what it does is it, it has three effects that we're going to look at. And by the way, just so you guys understand, not only is this common people deal with rejection, it's something that the Lord actually had to deal with, which we'll actually look at here in a moment. So how do you know you actually have the spirit of rejection? Now, when I say re everyone deals with rejection, because we live in a fallen world, people are going to just reject you. But how do you know you actually suffer from rejection to where it's actually affecting every part of your life? What, are, what would be the signs that we would actually look for where we say, I actually live out of rejection? Well, the first thing would be this. Um, when you actually are dealing with the spirit of rejection, it's an ability, or it's a, I'm sorry, it's an inability to receive love and express love. So if I have a hard time receiving love, now let's start at the foundation, love first from God. Here we have from scripture that God is love. How many of you know that? Now that's information, isn't it? But how many of you can receive God's love and actually experience it? The Bible not only says that you can tell when a spirit's crushed is when it, it, it's not functioning properly. Proper spirit relationship is God expresses his love to me. I can actually receive it, let it do the job of nurturing me. And then I can love people based out of that. So the two parts that we want to look at is, can I receive love and can I express love? Now, look at this scripture with me just for a moment here. Let me um, kind of point it out to you, make sure I get it correctly. Uh, not Malachi. Excuse me just a moment. Let me find it in my notes. Would you guys turn with me to 1 John 4, 19? Now let's say that you've actually grown up in a family. Uh, sometimes I make jokes about this. It's actually not becoming funny anymore, but I used to make jokes that pretty much the American culture is uh, just divorce or, or fracture, fracturing in relationship. But that's not what God intended for people. 
And so let's say you've grown up in an environment where you've been rejected. You've not been accepted by your brothers and sisters, or you've not been accepted in school, or you've not been accepted by the culture. How does God actually begin to deal with this in our lives? Well, it comes from this passage that we're actually talking about right here in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. It says, we love because God first loved us. We love because God first loved us. And so when my spirit is crushed, God now has to begin to bring his presence consistently to me and begin to help me recognize that he's loving me. Now, this is important. When your spirit's crushed, almost everything when you look at Scripture doesn't communicate the love of God. For a crushed person, they actually get into legalism as a lifestyle. And they believe that it's about a bunch of laws and rules to follow God instead of a dynamic loving relationship. And so they see God as kind of a taskmaster, someone to be afraid of. And if I've been rejected by people, then that must be who God is. And so people confuse that in their mind because of this effect of rejection. So how does God actually deal with it? He has to intentionally start loving you extravagantly and then helping you recognize it and let it nurture you. Now, when I, now I actually come from a family of divorce. My, I, do, I have experienced rejection just like you guys have, and I'm going to explain the three tiers of it. But when God was trying to restore my soul... I had to go through a process of rec first recognizing that was what was going on and realizing my natural tendency was to feel rejected. Next, I had to actually realize that as God was doing things in my life, he wasn't just answering prayer or helping me understand scripture. He was trying to explain in a very tangible way and let me feel in a very tangible way what love actually feels like. Now, now, you guys would understand this. If you've never been hugged by your parents or you've never had your parents tell you you love you, there is a lack of knowing what that feels like and what it's supposed to happen inside of you and how it's supposed to nurture you, right? So since there's the absence of that, you don't know how to recognize it when it comes near you. And so God has to not only reveal his love to you, he has to actually also train you. That is my love coming towards you. Now, Let's look at this phenomenon of rejection and let's just uh, start talking about what that actually looks like for a second. Would you guys turn with me to Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6? Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Now, <clears throat> how many of you like studying the end times? So, a couple of you. Okay. How many of you think we're close to the end times? Okay, so this is going to get interesting now. So um, one of the things I always look at if Jesus is about to come actually comes out of Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Now you're going to go, well, why is that? Well, because there's two things that are being talked about here. One, it's talking about Elijah. Now I don't know if you guys understand the significance of Elijah or what his life represents, but John the Baptist was referred to Elijah, and then this statement about Elijah coming in Malachi is really interesting. Why is that so important? The, the ministry of Elijah is a dynamic power of God being released to do something. If you look at Elijah's life, the distinction of his prophetic ministry was the power of God to change something dramatically. And so here it says this, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. 
This is not talking about the first coming. Remember the term great and dreadful connects with the end of human history. And it says this, he will turn the hearts of the father to their children and the hearts of the children to their father or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, isn't that interesting? It says that the move of God in the nations is the restoration of the embrace of God to people so that it affects families and rejection stops happening, children to their father and fathers to their children. And so when God is actually, I find this fascinating, I love the idea of revival, I know you guys do, and I love the idea of Jesus returning, but it's very interesting, he says he's going to be very intentional when he returns, and you'll be able to see it by how the Spirit of the Lord is dealing with mankind. And the Spirit of the Lord says the restoration of the Father's embrace is a sign that he is drawing things to the end. Now, I don't know if that excites you. That actually excites me because I don't like trying to look for wars and rumors of wars trying to figure it out because man's at war all the time with each other. What I do want to see is the sign of the kingdom. Now, why is this, this idea of the hearts of the fathers being turned to the children and the hearts of the children turned to the father so important when it comes to the spirit of rejection? When I started having my children... um, my youngest daughter, I remember one day my youngest daughter, Rebecca, which I had the great joy of just marrying off a couple weeks ago. When she was a little girl, we, we did this thing where um, she would come, and at night it was time to put her down, and I would sit down with her, and we'd grab a book. And her natural thing to do was actually to crawl in my lap, expect me to hug her, talk to her kindly, and read her a story. In that place... Something was being transferred to her that's necessary for all of us. She received a father's embrace, and it created security. Now, the absence of that is what releases fear. It's what releases worry. It's what makes us afraid of living. The absence of that security that comes from our father's embrace is what touches the hearts of people and causes them to pull back. And if I haven't had that, God has to go through a nurturing process in our lives again. So let's just talk about the effect, not, not the effect, but how different people respond to rejection. Okay, Kind of heavy this evening, I know, guys, but it gets better. All right, the first one is this. Some people, when they're rejected, what they do is they create inside their soul this idea of what we call giving in. Now, what do we actually mean by giving in? They actually believe that life is too hard and that they can't face it, so they go through a series of just giving up on everything. Now, this is a form of rejection where these type of people believe there's no point to life, they're they're afraid of the future, they actually believe they can't accomplish anything, and one of the trademarks of this type of rejection, excuse me, is they struggle with depression. Because life doesn't seem to have significance and it doesn't seem to have meaning. The second person. They're the person that doesn't want to give in to rejection. So people experience rejection and they don't want to give in. And so what they do is they learn to build a wall to push people away from because they believe relationships are wounding. Now you guys ready? 
it's easier to reject someone before they reject you, isn't it? And so it's easier to create a wall inside of you to say, hey, I'm not going to be hurt anymore. I felt that. That wasn't too fun. And so I'm going to be nasty, I'm going to be hard, and I'm going to be mean to people so that no one can do that to me again. And it's actually, it's funny. It's not fun to say this, but it's funny. It's like you actually have rejection, you feel the sting of it, and then you build a wall and you protect it thinking somehow you're protecting your heart, but what you're actually doing is you're encasing the rejection and you're actually letting that nurture you consistently. <laughs> you think you make them pay for it, but what you're actually doing is because you were created to be nurtured and to be embraced in relationship, what you're doing is you're re-afflicting your own, it's actually like taking a knife and stabbing your own heart consistently. Do you guys remember, uh, I'm sure, I, hopefully I don't get off into a whole different sermon, do you guys remember it says, uh, a hope deferred makes the heart sick? That word defer is interesting because most people think defer means uh, I, I don't have hope. But the word defer in Hebrew actually means pushing hope away from you. So you guys ready? When you push hope away from you, you're actually pushing away what is natural. It's like if you were a fish and you're supposed to be swimming in water, your natural environment is the water. You're creating God's image. The natural environment for you is to be in an atmosphere of hope. When you push hope away, it makes your heart sick. And the word sick doesn't mean <coughs> sick. It means taking a knife and stabbing it. That's kind of graphic, isn't it? Yeah. So hope deferred is an intentional afflicting of your own heart to be sick. Now, when I try to build a wall from protecting my heart so that I will not be rejected, I've encased my heart so that no good thing can come to me. We think we're protecting ourselves. We're actually re-wounding our own heart. I said it gets better. Trust me, let's get to the third type. The third type of person that experiences rejection, they become a fighter. Now, these are the people that want to be loved, but they're not, and so they think the world is against them. And so what happens is instead of giving in or building a wall, they begin to create anger as a motivation to do something. And these are the people that um, are mad at everything all the time, and what happens is they go through a series of things, and, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this when I say this. They develop first resentment towards things. Now, guys, resentment comes from first being rejected. Okay? Then the next thing they develop is hatred towards things. The next thing they do is they step into rebellion because they don't want to be hurt or be rejected. They get resentment, which hardens the heart. Then they push things away from them, and because they can't get things based out of love, they get things based out of rebellion. And this is, if you watch some teenagers, this is what they're living out of. They feel like they've been rejected, so the rebellion that's in their heart isn't because they're just wanting to be evil. It's because they don't believe their heart has been nurtured properly. They, are you guys ready? They've been rejected, and they feel like they're not understood. Okay, so does God just say, well, that's just the way it is to live on this planet, or is there some way that Jesus can actually get to the core of this thing and set us free? 
Well, obviously, I believe Jesus is able to do that or I wouldn't be here this evening. So how does God actually do this? How does God help us with this thing in our lives? The first thing that I want to help you with, there's a couple stages. Think about it with me just for a second. It's the Holy Spirit's job to show you where you've been rejected. Now, it's very important. Most people have experiences and they spend all their time trying to never face it or look at it because they don't like the feeling of it. But that's actually the wrong thing to do because if God takes you to something that's happened to you that's been painful, he doesn't show you to bring more pain, he shows you to restore. And so God goes to areas of your life where you've experienced people not accepting you and begins to want to nurture and love you in that place so that that thing can be taken out of you. So the Holy Spirit identifies where you've felt rejection. The next thing is this. Rejection doesn't come because you're just walking on the planet, does it? Rejection comes from relationships. After about teaching for 10 years just the Bible around the United States, I started uh, actually picking up on a theme in Scripture. You guys ready? God can do almost anything in your life and my life. There's really nothing that the grace of God cannot deal with. The only thing that can't be dealt with is an unforgiving heart. When I, now this is amazing, the strength of God is the power of forgiveness, and yet you are told culturally that's a form of weakness. And yet, love is greater than any form of death, and that's what sin is, is a form of death. And since it's greater than that, when I practice, and you guys are ready, you have to practice forgiveness. When you do that, your heart gets set free from rejection as a stronghold. <clears throat> Do you guys remember in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus was having the disciples say, well, teach us to pray. And he taught him what we call the Lord's Prayer. He says, he taught him something about forgiveness. He said, forgive us today of our daily sins and let us forgive those that have sinned against us. Now, are you guys ready? He believed that was so necessary, he wanted them to practice that every day. Getting forgiven, forgiving other people. Why? Because that holds you into everything with darkness, and if you learn to practice it, it will create inside your own heart an ability for the love, the life, and the light of God to touch you every day. And you've been created for that. You've not been created to live in darkness and fear. You've not been created to have these things as a part of you. Now, I don't know if I'm talking to some of you here this evening. Hopefully I am. But some of us are just so used to being in darkness that we just actually think this is, I guess this is what it's like before I go into eternity. But that's not how the scripture talks about what it means for you. The distinction of a Christian who knows Jesus is not someone that feels like they're always under something. You have been created to be the head, not the tail. And so the distinction of walking with the Lord means that you actually allow God's love to touch you on a consistent basis, and it so transforms you that you can love other people based out of it. And that's, that's the whole idea of being filled with joy. So, you guys ready? Have you ever checked your joy meter? Okay, maybe that didn't work. Two people got that. 
See, I, a lot of people think, well, do I have to just spend all this time trying to figure out where I'm at? No, you don't try to figure out if you're dealing with this stuff all the time. I said the Holy Spirit identifies it, but you can know what's going on in your heart in the arena of love by how your joy meter is doing. How much joy do you have today? See, if God's love's touching me, it gives me boldness to be around people. It gives me boldness for life. It gives me boldness to want to do things. When that's diminished is when I want to pull back and I become afraid of things. I don't want to do things anymore. I want to hide. I want to get a bunch of beans and I want to move to Canada and I want to wait for the rapture. Okay. So... Remember, we looked at Malachi, Jesus, uh, where we have as a prophecy, not Jesus, but we have a prophecy in Malachi, and the Lord's saying that, you know, if the fathers and the sons don't come together, he's going to hit the land with the curse. I just kind of want to visit that with you guys just for a moment here. All broken relationships are a curse. All broken relationships are a curse. And so, I don't even, when God says he'll hit the land with the curse, sometimes I wonder if that's uh, translated correctly. I probably ought to go look it up, but I actually almost think it means if people don't respond to this, the natural response is going to be a curse of broken relationships. So we said that we have to recognize it. We have to check our joy meter. And then we have to understand what Jesus has done for us in the arena of rejection. Okay, there are several passages in the Bible that shows that not only was Jesus rejected on the cross, he was actually rejected by the nation of Israel as he was doing his ministry. In fact, we actually find out in 1 John, it says he came among his own people, but they didn't receive him. That means they rejected him. Now, do you guys, I don't, I'm sure you sit around and look at the New Testament and try to figure this stuff out, right? But if you watch Jesus' ministry, every day, either the Pharisees or the people or someone is verbally assaulting him and rejecting him in front of a group of people. His own family rejected him. Okay, so, you know, people are saying, well, okay, but he's God in the flesh, and he didn't have to deal with this stuff, but you guys ready? Yes, he did. He knows exactly what it's like to be rejected, and yet he also showed that the Father's embrace could overcome that, and you could actually live outside of it. Thank you, Bob. Uh, that's all right. Uh, I was waiting for someone to respond, so you, you made me feel a lot better. Thank you. Um, so the culmination of the spirit of rejection, Jesus took on the cross. And he's on the cross. Can you imagine? He's on the cross, and, he, and he's yelling out in Hebrew, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The height of rejection he took. And when he did that, the great exchange happened. Now, acceptance is the natural response of God. So there's two, so I recognize it. I realize what God has done for me, that he's experienced rejection. And this is important. You're dealing with a Savior that has gone through what you're going through. He absolutely knows what that's like. And I don't know, there seems to be a false sense of how a lot of people relate to the Lord. Like they have to act like everything's okay when they stand before the Lord as though he, he was just perfect and he never had to deal with any of this stuff so he can't relate to us. That's not who Jesus is. He dealt with all of this. 
knows exactly the human condition and knows that his father's embrace is greater than all of that. And so he's the person I actually want to relate to on this subject instead of hiding from him. So Jesus actually experienced the full weight of rejection and this is very important. Have you guys ever, this is a theological thing, this is where my mind goes sometimes, hopefully I don't scare you when I go there. But have you ever considered the fact why God doesn't reject you when you sin? Because in the Old Testament it says God turns away when people sin. Here you and I actually sin and we know Jesus and yet God doesn't reject us. Why is that? I think Jesus took the full weight and punishment of sin so that the response of God would never be reject you when you sin, but actually pursue you. And so God is not about trying to reject you. He's trying to bring a family back home. And so when I sin, are you guys like I am? I want to hide. I feel shame. And yet God is just looking at me, go, don't do that. Come home. Come home. <laughs> then, so God accepts you. Okay, now here's the last step we want to talk about. So God accepts me. That's great, but I don't accept myself. I had a professor in Bible college. He had a really big nose. And he was trying to explain to us one day how much he gloried in the size of his nose. He said, when I grew up, all my friends used to make fun of my nose. They'd talk about my nose being like a mountain. People would always point at my nose and talk, how do you live with that thing? And, and he said he really felt shame over this feature that God gave him. Then he said, as he started walking with the Lord, he started realizing that however God created him, that was the beauty and the blessing of God saying, you're unique, and I accept you this way. Now he actually talks about his nose as one of the best features that God has created in his life. So how can something that I have shame in, a defect, or something isn't working properly, how can I get to that place? Because you have to see yourself from God's perspective. The way he's made you, he's pronounced a blessing. You're accepted. Now, do you know I actually know a bunch of Christians that can accept the idea that God loves them, but they won't accept themselves? They won't accept who God has made them to be. If you ever get a chance to do this, I, I have to admit, I, I appreciated it, and yet I didn't like it at the same time. God actually went through a season of showing me to rejoice over my own weaknesses and then rejoice over the strength he's given me and just learn to understand what it means to be made in the image of an incredible God. All right, you guys ready to do this with me? Let's just take a moment and just ask God to search our hearts and see if he wants to deal with this with us, okay? Would you guys do that with me? Let's do that. Say it again. Yeah, we're going to ask the Lord to search our hearts and see if he wants to deal with this in us. Okay. Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, anywhere where we've been touched by rejection, would you come? to that area of our past or our experience? And would you break the power of that right now and begin to embrace us in that place? Lord, if we've developed a pattern 
of living out of rejection, would you come by your presence and set us free from that pattern? Lord, if we've developed a wall in our heart thinking we're protecting ourselves and yet we've encapsulated rejection, would you tear down that wall? And Lord, if we live out of anger and resentment because we've been rejected, wash us, restore us. Now, Father, bring your acceptance to us and touch us so that we can live in your love. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. May I pray for you? Yeah, what's your name? Sheila. Sheila, would you stand, please? Um, so during worship, um, the Lord was kind of showing me like a couple scenes that I felt like he wanted me to share with you. I felt like he was sharing with me that uh, your past um, felt like you were walking through a desert, that it was difficult. And I actually saw the Lord saying that that's done. You're, you're actually coming not into a new season, but actually your life's going to completely change. Uh, there's an encounter of the Lord that's going to get you with his love. And I actually saw you walking from a desert to walking in a field of green. And when I saw that, the Lord actually said, there, there are two areas that you're going to recognize that God has changed your life. It had first to do with your family. God is going to bless your family, and it's actually going to surprise you how much he's going to bless your family. And then he told me he was going to come into your finances, and he was going to bless you in that so that you'd recognize that he is good towards you, okay? And that's okay. That's the love of God touching you. So can you put your hands out like this and let's let the Father embrace you? Father, bring your heart to your daughter. And just that weariness of walking in a dry and weary land, I break the power of that, and I ask that you, in a sense, would just let the river of God just wash over her life. And I command the Father's blessing over you, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and financially. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Thank you. Okay, um, since we're doing this differently, Bob, uh, how do you want to do the prayer time? Well, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, just a sec. Uh, so I was with a group of people this morning. Do you guys remember who you are? Uh-huh. I was going to ask you if you had words of knowledge. Did you guys do that? They're all looking at me like, what are you talking about? It's <laughs> do, if you do, do you guys have words of knowledge? No. Okay. Do you guys have? Okay, Cliff, did you have one? Did you have one? Okay, come on up. <laughs> Mimi, did you guys have one? Okay, okay, let me have him share the scripture and then I'll have you share it. So, let's see, Isaiah 45. During worship, this, the Lord just gave me a scripture address. You know, that's a fun game uh, to hear a thing. And, oh, let's see if the Lord's speaking. And um, really, this so goes so well with uh, 
what Brian taught in a, in a way. Um, so it's Isaiah 45, 3. It says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. And that's like, if you've got secret places of resentment, anger, some chambers where you hang out that are uh, dark and uh, hidden, that's because it's hidden in Christ. And what God's going to do is going to turn it into a treasure, something new. You know, uh, it's a, a it's just a lump of coal until pressure comes and creates a diamond out of it, right? And so these places, these hidden riches, secret places, become uh, worship chambers and uh, places of intimacy, wholeness, and healing. Hmm. So there you go. Pray that for us, please. Father, I thank you that um, we, we may have in this room, there's might be some really dark places we've been, some places that we just really like to be hidden, and some times and, and some attitudes that we would really would like just to forget completely. But you don't. What you do is you transform them into something. You prepare us for something. You propel us in you to do awesome things like love one another <laughs> so I just thank you for that and ask you Lord to anoint us for this hmm. and now just to add to that I, I really do break off the power of rejection hmm. on anybody in this room hmm. in the name of Jesus Amen. and say to you see a banner over you Jesus is unfurling it for you acceptance Amen. acceptance and healing Amen. Thanks, Cliff. All right, Mimi. Okay. Someone has a throat problem? Yes. Okay. Someone have a sore throat or throat issue? You do. Would you? I'm sorry. Would you stand? Okay. So Mimi, you get to go do this. Can you stand up and go lay hands on her? And let's just, if you guys join me in prayer for her just for a moment. Holy Spirit, bring your healing power and presence over her throat. In the name of Jesus. Okay. Now, Lord, her body is yours. She can't function with her body being like this, so restore her so that she's able to do what you've loved her and created her to do. Release your power. I break the power of pain. I command it to lift off in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, just let your healing anointing embrace her throat in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How's it feel? Um, it's a little bit better. Okay. Um, it's still kind of like patchy, I guess. Okay. Okay. 
Well, thank you for letting us pray for you. Thank you, Mimi.